welcome to Grizz Greats, the coaching tree, the bonus episode of the podcast for episode two. This one, Scott Zanet played basketball at the University of Montana. In fact, was a three-sport athlete, a great track star, as well as played football for one year, amazingly, as well at the end. But Scott played basketball for Mike Montgomery uh, Coulter, a lineage guy, brothers playing hoops at the uh, University of Montana, and certainly a standout player playing for Coach Montgomery in the 80s. The third Zanna brother to play for the Grizzlies, and he also was part of bridging the gap between Mike Montgomery and Stu Morrill as well. Scott Zanna's best basketball season, his lone season for Stu Morrill. He averaged 17 points per game for the Grizzlies, 1986-1987. He's a double-figure score two years in a row, including in Mike Montgomery's last season as well. He won the Big Sky Conference in the decathlon in track and field. And then, like you mentioned, after his basketball eligibility was up, one played football for a year as well. So a tremendous athlete out of Kalispell and uh, a guy then that went on to great heights working at Nike. He helped broker the deal between University of Montana and Nike to become one of the first exclusive Nike schools in the country. And so Scott Zanon has done very well in his life after his time at the University of Montana as well. A remarkable athlete for sure. Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast, brought to us in part by our friends at Stockman's Bar. Coulter, one of Mike Montgomery's favorite haunts, as he says himself in the uh, podcast. Stockman's still going strong all these years later. Yeah, I appreciate Mike and Duck for being a part of this. Those guys have been huge Grizz basketball supporters forever. When I told Mike, that one of the owners at Stocks, that we tracked down one of the Zanon brothers. He said, man, I can't wait to listen to this episode. We love those guys. Tell them to come back home. Tell them to come see me and say hello. <laughs> so it, the Stocks has been a local hangout for a very great many people that have been involved in the University of Montana basketball team, especially the coaches. So I, I'm happy that Stockman's is a part of this thing. And uh, if you need to get your whistle wet, $3 drafts anytime that Stockman's is open. So head on down, Stockman's Bar, right it's always on Street in Missoula. Always happy hour at Stockman's Bar, and always happy right here on the Grizz Greats Coaching Tree Podcast. Enjoy our conversation with Scott Zanon. Well, happy to welcome to Grizz Greats the Coaching Tree an athlete from the University of Montana who played men's basketball as well as a year of football and track and field at the University of Montana in the mid-'80s, Scott Zanon. Scott, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. Pleasure to join you guys today. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Scott. We're certainly happy to have you here. And as a three-sport athlete, there's a lot we could do, but this is a basketball podcast. Let's talk about that. When you first came to the University of Montana to play basketball, Mike Montgomery was the head coach. Do you recall the first time that he landed on your radar or maybe vice versa? And what was it that happened where you said, yeah, the University of Montana, Coach Montgomery, that's where I want to play ball? Well, I guess we'd have to kind of send back to my brothers, Rick and Craig. You know, they went to the University of Montana first, and I guess that was kind of the first experiences when Jim Brandenburg came to the house and first met our family, and they ended up going there, and there was a six-year gap between Craig and myself, so I kind of grew up a Grizz, at least following them and rooting for them, and subsequently, I went to the Grizzly Cage Camps when I got old enough, and that was, you know, my highlight of the year. It wasn't like today's game where you can jump on an AAU team and fly around the country and get exposed to the college coaches. So that was kind of a special deal for us to be able to go to that Grizzly Cage camp. And, you know, when I started becoming, I think, a seventh, eighth grader, ninth grader, tenth grader, I went to those camps. And, and I guess I was kind of automatically, I would say, on the radar <laughs> because I had brothers in the program. And then, you know, I guess that's why I first met Monty. And, and I always felt like he was a, a little harder on the, on me in those camps when I was, I was being evaluated. As just a high school kid, I kind of felt like, well, I thought it was pretty good, pretty good. But 
he always had a, a way of making me feel like I had a lot to work on. And he, you know, as I got a little bit older, say like maybe in high school, he said, I just want you to know that I'm evaluating you as a college player, not as a high school player. And as a grizzly, you know, potential athlete. So I got a little excited, you know, at that point on, on how he coached me up, you know, real early, even before uh, the university. And then when it came recruiting time, it was really a two, I guess, school decision for me. It was Montana State or the Grizz. You know that that got narrowed down pretty quickly. So I guess it was it was pretty much that early that early uh, Grizzly Cage Camp and experience that exposed me to Monty, and and then kind of once once I got there, to kind of move into a new direction of his philosophy and direction. It, it was uh, pretty easy to be a Grizz once uh, once I was following my brother's footsteps a little bit, and I felt like I always had a little something to prove, <laughs> and not to let uh, let let them down, but then also just learn that tradition and that heritage of, of Montana basketball is what Monty was all about. As a kid, when Jim Brandenburg came to the house to recruit your brothers and do that, did you have any interaction with him or did you just sort of observe and what was your impression as a kid, as a boy, a younger brother looking at, at Jim Brandenburg at that time? Yeah, well, I, was, I guess I was fifth or sixth grade at the time and, and I sat there. <laughs> I didn't interact, but I, I sat there and listened to them and that was pretty cool for me to just kind of see these two coaches come in and out of their car and, you know, I don't even know if they do house visits anymore, but I really didn't know exactly everything was going on. I was probably a little bit too young, but I just thought it was really cool. A college coach was there and, you know, recruiting my brothers. And I did listen to what they said about the program and, and they did a great job of explaining the philosophy of Montana basketball and how they saw, you know, Craig at the time, how he's going to fit into that program. Rick was already there. So, I guess it just felt kind of really special. It's kind of already had one brother there. They were recruiting Craig. And I just remember thinking, like, I wonder if they'll ever come and visit my house when I'm here. <laughs> so uh, it, it was an impact in my life, for sure. But I was mostly more interested in how he was petting my dog, probably, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> when you made your way to the University of Montana, then what was it like playing for Monty? I mean, how would you describe Mike Montgomery's coaching style? What do you think defined him as a coach? You just knew that he was going to be, you know, very prepared. He was an X and O's type of guy, and he obviously was going to figure out how we could defeat the other team and be more intelligent and work harder, but also be smarter. So he he was just a very smart tactical coach, and he just really, really, I guess, preached the pride of of Grizzly basketball and what it meant. So you know, if you didn't kind of fit that mold, well, it wasn't going to be a great experience for you. But you know, if you really wanted to work hard and you wanted to outwork the other teams and and you hated losing more than you loved winning. I think it was a good good place. So that's what I remember about Monty is is his smarts on the court, his X's and O's, and giving us a chance because we were generally were, were more prepared than the other teams. At least the first two times we met him, than most other teams, who so gave us a great chance to to win. And in my career, I think we had average twenty one wins a season, so that kind of spoke for itself. But I really appreciated his intelligence of the game. Speaking of competitors, you played alongside Larry Kristoviak, one of the great players in the University of Montana's and Big Sky Conference history. What do you remember about just the competitor Kristoviak was? What was it like playing alongside a guy that went on to play in the NBA? Oh, yeah. Well, it started in high school. Again, you know, Big Sky High School. He was at Big Sky. I was a flathead. So I played against him my entire high school career. And, you know, then we ended up being teammates with the guy. It's like, I guess you kind of look at him as different angles than, than somebody coming in from out of state that you don't know. I felt like I knew Larry a long time before I even found it at the University of Montana. But then as a teammate, again, he was at the Grizzly Cage Camps as well. He was a year ahead of me. But you just kind of share that same philosophy of hard-nosed, gritty Montana basketball. And 
And I think it was easy for us Montana guys at the time. I know it's different now. I think you look on the roster and there might be one guy from Montana, but at the time, the Montana players really drove the program. And, you know, really, I guess, kind of were the ambassadors to the, those that came from outside the state about what this program is and uh, the heritage of what it means to not just Missoula, you know, residents, but also, you know, everyone in the state. So with Larry, you know, we shared that same feistiness and that same competitiveness of, I'd say, hating to lose rather than wanting to win or liking to win. Everybody likes that. But, you know, you're looking back, he was a phenomenal player, what he did as, a, as a, I'd say, an undersized post. And just the epitome of he's going to outwork anybody on the court. And he was easy to follow as a leader, you know, with a guy like that who, who comes to practice, you know, every day to, to, uh, to prove something and then also play with that. So great experience, very lucky to have him. And, and you know, just other players too, like, you know, uh, on our team, same, same type of mentality. Having known Larry for as long as you did, like you mentioned, even going back into high school, him being a, a year ahead of you while you were at the University of Montana, did you think, hey, this is a guy who's going to stay in the game and could go on to be a head coach at some point in his life, or did you even think in those terms at that point in time? I was surprised that somebody from Montana would get a shot at the NBA that Larry did, just because you just didn't see many guys do that. You knew if he did get a shot, you know, is, is, he, is he big enough to have an impact in the league? Is he strong enough? So I was a little bit surprised that they gave him a shot. But once they gave him a shot, he kind of knew he would stick. I just think, again, because of his, his work ethic and his resiliency to, to, uh, to not give up and to win, you knew he was going to have an impact on a team you know, some way. Um, so wasn't surprised to see his success once he got there. But as a player, I think that he took his, his game elevated above in terms of how he worked you know, on the court. So I'm not surprised at his career in terms of the coaching you know, question, uh, not surprised at all. You know, coming up, I'm not surprised that any of the guys from the team wanted to go into coaching. I thought about it myself and then um, just decided to go a different route. But he knew that he, he had that same philosophy as Lonnie. I mean, he was always very tactical, and we'd always get together in meetings um, without coaches and, and talk about strategy, the guys on our team. And no surprise that Tinkle was in those meetings as well. And John Boyd, John Bates, and, you know, Bruce Burns at the time was there. We were Washington. I mean, it was kind of a, we kind of really got together and figured out how we were going to beat other teams. So I'm not surprised at all to see him stay in the game and coach and, and be as good as he is and, and carry on that tradition. Before we transition and ask you about Stu Morrill, it's easy to forget that Mike Montgomery played in Big Sky Tournament Finals multiple times, but actually that the Grizzlies never advanced to the NCAA Tournament under Mike Montgomery. Coach Kostoviak talked about how that was a motivating factor in his life. I mean, th- from his time in Montana all the way on, you know, just the disappointment of losing in the championship games. What do you remember about maybe coming up short like you guys did a couple yeah. of times and, and how much maybe that impacted, you know, your preparation for the next season or your preparation as a team? Yeah, very disappointing, obviously. A couple of times that we, we got there and did make it, you know, at Weber and then against the Cats in Reno. Um, we felt like we were, we were uh, the better team. And, and I think, you know, I think, yeah, that definitely had an impact in your in my life. You know, you can't let those things get you down. You got to come back next year and fight. And we always had the same goal every year at the beginning of the season was to, you know, win the conference championship and move on to the NCAAs. And we were a very well prepared team in every game. I think it got a little easier to take us away the third time teams played us. We got a little bit predictable. And, and I think maybe Monty probably learned from that, you know, as he went to Stanford and, you know, he was a young coach at Montana. And, and I think, uh, sometimes it's maybe a little stubborn. That word might come out of. <laughs> out of, uh, you know, to describe Monty sometimes, as which I'm sure he, he used that same word with us. <laughs> so 
so no surprise. But I think it got a little, a little easy to take us out that third time the teams played us, and we probably uh, were a little little harder to to beat the first two times than the third. But nonetheless, you know, getting there every year, you knew we were going to get there. Uh, disappointments, yes, but it certainly drove us the next year to come back and and drive harder. And for Larry, I mean, you know, and, and Wayne particularly. Proofs and pudding. Those guys went on, coached at Montana, won one championship. So they learned from that and, and got that program in the positions that go to the NCAA tournaments multiple times. So, yeah, motivation for them, absolutely, uh, within basketball. For me, yeah, regrets, maybe not winning it, but not a regret in terms of experience of playing in the NIT a couple of times and, and being on some fantastic teams and winning 20, 21 games a year is incredible. When you look at Coach Montgomery and what he went on to do, you mentioned Stanford obviously went to a Final Four. He becomes a head coach of the NBA. He coaches on Team USA at one stage, and then, of course, at Cal, and has been a stalwart in the game, specifically in the Pac-10 and 12 over time. Do you look at what he did and think about the start that he had at the University of Montana and take, I don't know if it's pride or admiration or whatever it might be when you look at sort of the arc of his really remarkable career? Oh, absolutely! A tremendous amount of pride taking that. That's that's it hits home, and and uh, love seeing he and he and all the coaches that have gone from Montana to succeed in other programs. But so happy for him and and Sarah's wife, and you know, for them him to stay in it, and it just proves how good of a coach he is to be able to be successful at all of those different conferences, all the different leagues. Uh, I actually went on to be an announcer one time, and I'm sure, not sure he, he hit his mark on that one, <laughs> but uh, on on the court. He just uh, was able to really adapt at all those levels. And when you go to the NBA, it's not about coaching as much as men's personalities <laughs> at all. And, and uh, it's just so cool to see a Montana guy coming from the heritage of Montana basketball, you know, from Heathcote to Brandenburg all the way through. It just proves, you know, what Montana is all about, certainly for basketball, but just the people in general. And, uh, you know, in my Nike career, in my career as a, as a professional, the Montana people uh, that have worked at Nike and that I ran into are just superior, you know, people when it comes to interactions and hard work and results and just couldn't be more proud to see somebody like Monty have that success. And now, you know, Wayne uh, Tinkle and Crisco uh, on the basketball side, kind of carrying that on. It's, it's, uh, I feel part of it. Um, I connect with those guys periodically still. And when I do see Monty it, I think it reminded him I'm not 18 anymore. You got to talk to me like I'm an adult, but that's okay. <laughs> He's did a fantastic job, and pride is, is certainly something that hits me hard with those guys. Your senior year, Mike Montgomery moves on, takes the head coaching job at Stanford. Stu Morrill takes over. I know you had familiarity with him since he was on Coach Montgomery's staff, but what do you remember your reaction and the reaction of the rest of the team being when Coach Montgomery left? Well, it was an easy transition. Uh, no hiccups at all from anybody in the program. I mean, I think everybody like Stu, you know, he was a, a head assistant. He was very involved assistant when Monty was there. And I think that again is probably why the success of called uh, Montana basketball coaches are is so great because they involve and, and empower those assistants. So that was an easy transition. I think, you know, some of the differences was I'd say Stu was a little uh, easier on us maybe than Monty was that first year. I think he toughened up a little bit, but he was a little more nurturing maybe than Monty was and, and maybe wanted to have maybe a little more personal relationship and, and being a senior, uh, I appreciated that because I really didn't need hard nose motivation, you know, nor did any of the seniors. It really was kind of like, you know, this is your team. You know what this is all about. Z, you know, run this team the same way. And, and he kind of took an approach of, uh, we still want to win. We still want to have goals. He's very, very competitive equally. 
uh, to Monty, but just a different approach, um, you know, in terms of personalities. And, and I appreciated getting to know him different as a head coach than an assistant and felt kind of, you know, somewhat uh, lucky uh, to, to see him as an assistant and a, and a head coach. But uh, yeah, the great thing about it was is that the, the transition of the philosophy of Montana basketball did not change one bit. It, it truly didn't. Offenses didn't change. The defenses didn't didn't really change. The schematics didn't change. It was it was really a consistent transition of what we were all about. So couldn't be more happy to play for both those guys as uh, and Stu an assistant and then a, a head coach. Well, Scott, we certainly appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you uh, having me on. Our thanks to Scott Zanin for joining us on. The bonus episode of episode two. Is that the right way to say it, Coulter? The bonus episode of episode two on the Grizz Greats Coaching Tree podcast? A bonus episode, certainly, involving Scott Zandon. Thanks to Scott for joining us. Great stories. Appreciate that. Grizz Greats The Coaching Tree is brought to us in part by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications delivers state-of-the-art security solutions from perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana, and share your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Episode three, featuring Stu Morrill, Coulter, who obviously was on the staff with Mike Montgomery and then went on to be an outstanding coach at the University of Montana, Colorado State, and then the bulk of his career at Utah State, really building it into a national power, a national contender in Logan, Utah. And again, another guy who has an unbelievable career in the sport as a head coach, getting his start in Missoula with the Grizzlies. Perhaps one of the most surprising and also interesting parts about this podcast series is that Judd Heathcote led Montana to what amounted to the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament with, with a win in the NCAA tournament before then leaving Montana going to Michigan State. Then from Jim Brandenburg through Mike Montgomery, from Jim Brandenburg through Mike Montgomery, no NCAA tournament bids for Montana, although they won the, the regular season multiple times, they put in the championship game multiple times. But Mike Montgomery left Montana without having advanced to the NCAA tournament as a head coach. That's right, 0-4 in conference championship games, which is remarkable. And that monkey stayed on Stu Morrill's back for several years too, but then Stu finally kicked down the door and then Montana went back-to-back years, Blaine Taylor's first year as well, and then Blaine took him back to the tournament again, then Don Holst took him to the tournament. And, and then, so on down the line. And so on down the line. Right. Everybody besides Pat Kennedy then went to the NCAA tournament at least once and oftentimes multiple times. And so Morrill took the, the foundation and the momentum handed to him and took Montana to the next level. And so that's he, he serves a specific point in the arc of this coaching tree. And he was also very, very awesome to talk to, great stories. So we'll be happy to share this with you next week. Well, a lot of guys uh, certainly love Stu Morrill, uh, no doubt about that. And uh, he is our featured guest on Episode 3 of Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast, which is brought to us in part by our friends at Berkshire Hathaway. Coulter, I don't know how to do contracts. I don't even know how to find properties, houses, what I'm looking at, what I'm looking for, what I'm trying to sell. Fortunately, we got good people at Berkshire Hathaway who know everything there is to know about real estate and about Western Montana in particular. Mike Dujo, Berkshire Hathaway, is a local real estate expert and a passionate Grizz fan, passionate Grizz supporter. 
season ticket holder to football and men's basketball, and somebody that really respects history and what that means to the University of Montana. And that's why he was so passionate about being a part of this project. And he's also passionate about real estate as well. He's born and raised in Missoula. He knows a ton about the town. And he's a guy that is excellent when it comes to logistics, answering questions. If you have any sort of question about selling or buying residential or commercial, just give Mike a call. Even if even if you don't hire him as your real estate agent, he is happy to help you out. Any and all questions, give Mike Nugent a call, 406-531-1802. That's 406-531-1802. Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway, your local real estate experts. Our thanks to Scott Zanin for joining us on this bonus episode of Grizz Great's The Coaching Tree. Check out Stu Morrill in episode three. As always, a thanks to you for listening.